Romans. If you'll turn to the book of Romans, I really need your prayer for this message tonight. I really believe it's what the Lord wants me to preach, amen? I wouldn't be preaching it, but I know there's some explanation in here, and I'll be honest, the text is much deeper than I know how to preach, amen? But a, a truth is there that I pray I can relate to us tonight with the Lord's help, and I would certainly need the Lord's help to do that. But if you'll find the book of Romans, chapter number 2, and if you're physically able to stand, we'll stand, and I'm going to read a, a verse or two in 1 Timothy, and uh, chapter 1, and uh, then we'll uh, be seated, we'll pray and be seated, all right? Uh, Romans chapter number 2, Romans chapter number 2, amen. Verse number 11, we'll start reading in verse number 11, well, verse 10, let's look. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of person with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hairs of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law are, are, shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day... When God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. And then over in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 19, verse 18. Let's read verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience which some, having put away concerning faith, made shipwreck. And so it's evident tonight, I think, my reading, I want to try to deal with this subject tonight about our conscience. Oh, our conscience. The Bible said, what, in verse number 19, uh, uh, concerning faith, they've made shipwreck because they have not held to the faith and kept a good conscience. So I want to deal with that, that thought tonight, amen, about our conscience. And I would really, uh, there's people that, much more educated than I am, could explain this much greater than me. But I, I just want to give you the truth of what I see in that and pray it will find lodging in our hearts tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for letting us be here tonight. The good singing, the good spirit, the good attendance, and all you've done for us this week. And Lord, I, I appreciate the honor to stand in this pulpit once again and try to proclaim what thus saith the Lord. I pray you'd help me now tonight, Lord. I really believe you put this in my heart. I certainly wouldn't try to be preaching this tonight if I didn't feel like you led me this way. But I really need your help, the clarity of mind and thought, and God to deliver the message tonight. So grant that to us, Lord, for the glory of God. Not any glory of ours, but for the glory of God. Again, we want to thank you for your goodness. And Lord, be saved by your grace and the calling of God upon our life. We can never thank you enough, praise you enough, love you enough for all that you've done for us. So help us tonight is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Paul in Romans chapter number 2 is discussing the impartiality of judgment. He says in verse number 11 that God is no respect of person. In other words, God doesn't have, there's no teacher pets with God. There's no favorites with God. 
<coughs> there is no partiality with God. Amen. And I really believe that in regards to judgment, there is no favorites with God. Everybody's going to be judged yeah. on the same manner. Amen. Oh, there will be no partiality when you get the, when we stand before God. The idea of that is seen in the in the statue of justice that it's blindfolded and simply says this: God is not impressed with your position. God is not impressed with your prestige. God is not impressed with your popularity. I said all that to say this. When Genesis chapter number 11, God had to come down to view the Tower of Babel. In other words, no matter how high, how high man may build, God still has to come down and look at it. Yeah, are y'all listening to me? Amen. You will never get so big you will impress God. Are y'all listening to me? So your position does not impress God. Your prestige, your popularity, I say your our prestige does not impress God. Amen. So with that thought in mind, in judgment, there is no respect of person with God. No respect of person. That's what he's teaching in this because they thought they did. They thought they did have God's attention more than anybody else. Amen. He did not. He did not show favoritism to Lucifer. Amen. Matter of fact, isn't it amazing when this angel sinned, God kicked them out of heaven. But when we sin, God give us another chance. God, amen. So God has no respect. God is no respect of person. Now, I said all that to say this. We are living in troublesome days. And I know that's pretty well been said several times this week. But we're, we're dealing with things today, and I don't know how to put this other than say this, and not, not any, in a negative way. I think we're dealing with things today Dr. Seidler didn't have to deal with. We're dealing with things today that the older preachers, bless their hearts, amen, that paved the, uh, paved the path for us. They didn't have to deal with some situation we're dealing with today. Yeah, such as, I heard a, one of the old preachers say this, amen. He said, if you're a great soul winner and you get away from God, then your judgment is not going to be as severe because you've won souls to God. I think just the opposite. I think if God's used you in a great way and you get away from God, you're going to suffer greater. Amen. So my point is simply this. We're dealing with some unusual things today. I, I preach in churches, amen, your pastor has, uh, Brother Harvey, others of you that preach. I preach in churches that preach as sinless perfection. I preach in churches that don't preach against sin. Are you listening? I'm just simply saying, I have preached that. And, and, and the Bible said when you allow your conscience to get defiled, then you're going to shipwreck your faith. Amen and amen. Y'all pray now. I hope it's going to get better. Amen. We're dealing with some strange doctrines today. We're dealing with, we're dealing with some worldly, worldly situations today. I think like never before, at least in my day, I've never seen what we're seeing today. Pastoring the church for 42 years, I, I think I can honestly say this. It's had its ups and downs for 42 years. But I don't think we have ever had to deal with things like we're dealing with today. The sinfulness of humanity today. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Amen. So with that thought in mind, amen, I want to say God still is not a respect of person. Amen. This group that we're looking at tonight in chapter number two, they consider themselves deserving of special treatment. 
They thought God, they were the favorites of God, amen. In the sense, now I'm talking about judgment. In the sense of judgment. Chapter number one of Romans, the Bible said, the heathen are sinners. Chapter number two, he said, the Hebrews are sinners. And chapter number three, he said, to come to conclusion, all humanity is sinful. The whole world is sinful, amen. In the sense of right and wrong, part impartiality. But then with, uh, he wants to deal with the inward sense of right and wrong. So without, there is no, that with, with, in God's judgment, there is no partiality with God. Then also, in the inward part of man, he deals with right and wrong. That's man's conscience. Now, y'all stay with me. Pray for me by way of introduction if I can get into this. That's what we want to deal with. Many are more qualified, as I said, to deal with this, but yet it's still the word of God. In verse 14, he said, When the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not a law, are law unto themselves, which show the work of God, which show the work of the law written in their heart, their conscience also bearing them witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So he is dealing with man's conscience. The reason why man is without excuse is that God has put his law in their hearts, according to verse 15. Conscience. I looked up the word conscience. Here's what I got in Webster's Dictionary. It says this, an, an awareness of morality in regards to our behavior, a sense of right and wrong that urges one to act morally. Conscience according to Cambridge Dictionary. A part of you that judge, a part of you that judges how moral your own actions are and makes you feel guilty about bad things that you have done. Does anybody listen? So he says here, the definition of conscience. Conscience is bearing witness. You know the word conscience is used 32 times in the Bible. 32 times he mentions conscience in the Bible. I, 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 was, I was reading about the mother that was teaching her children, teaching her son how to spell. And she's come to the word conscience and then she comes to the words conscious. And she said, son, I want you to know how to spell those two words. And she said, do you know the difference? And the young boy said, yes, I do. He said, conscious is when you're aware of something. Conscience is when you wish you weren't. As we will see, the phrase, let your conscience be your guide, is not always true. It's, it's, it's a faulty guide if it's not informed. Now, by that, I want to say this. Titus 1.15 says your conscience can be defiled. Yes, Are you listening? That's what he says in our text tonight. In 1 Timothy 4.2, he says your conscience can be seared. In 1 Corinthians 8.12, he says your conscience can be weak. In Hebrews 10.22, he says your conscience can be evil. Conscience may not keep you from doing wrong, but it can keep you from enjoying the wrong that you're doing. Evidently, here's where I want to get in the message now. Evidently, there is a difference, somewhat of a difference between the Holy Spirit and conscience. Does everybody feel like I'm teaching Sunday school? Amen. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit and conscience. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a degree to that. I'll be honest with you, I don't have the answer to. Maybe I'm wrong to admit that, but I, I readily admit that. But I do believe this. There's a difference between your conscience and your Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit. Well, why do you say that, preacher? Well, the Holy Spirit can never be defiled. Your conscience can be defiled, but the Holy Spirit can never be defiled. Because what? Because he's God. Now, it's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. One's not greater than the other. They're all God. And it cannot be defiled, but your conscience can. Then number two, man has to hear, stay with me now, that man has to hear the word of God for the spirit of God to deal with him. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A man cannot get saved if he don't hear the word of God. We believe that, amen. Amen and amen. But before the Holy Spirit ever deals with him, conscience can deal with him. You take us to the darkest part of the world, they might have never heard the word of God, but they got a conscience to know there's a God. Amen. Whether it's a revival preaching, I don't know. I'm just going to preach. Amen. Romans 1, 18, look what he says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of man who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which we've been known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things from him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as the eternal power of Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Here's the heathen are without excuse. Why? Because they have a conscience. They may have never heard the word of God, but they have a conscience. Now, I'm saying all that to get somewhere. Y'all help me. Amen, amen. Paul said creation will reveal God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. I think it was Abraham Lincoln said, I can see how people can look on earth and believe there is no God. But I don't know how they can look at the heaven and say there is no God. Amen and amen. So my point is simply this. Man has to hear the word of God for the spirit of God to deal with him. But that's not true about conscience. Amen. Some people may not have. Now they don't have to hear the gospel. They don't have to hear the gospel to be dealt with. Conscience and creation can deal with them. That's not the gospel. Now, I say that to say this. Some people may not have enough light to be saved, but everybody has enough light to be damned. Why do you say that? Preacher? Here's why I'm saying that. If you all help me, amen. I'm saying that. Does man have to reject Christ to be lost? No. A man don't have to reject Christ to be lost. Why do you say that? Because those people never heard about Christ. And they're lost. If they're not lost, why are we sending money, spending money to get them the gospel? I don't know how I got on. I was on an ordination board. I, I don't know how I got on. I really don't know how I got on. And they had Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so. I think it was about four or five dollars on the ordination uh, council, and I was there. I wouldn't even make a good nurse, amen. I'm sitting with all these doctors, and we examine this man to ordain, ordain him to the ministry, Brother Brian. And they started asking these questions, and I'm sitting there hanging about my mouth with all these doctors, amen. And uh, so they got on down there. He was going to the mission field, and uh, the question come up, does a, uh, does a person have to reject Christ to be lost? And I said, no. 
And they all sit and they all looked at me. I said, no, people don't have to reject Christ to be lost. I said, because they never heard about Christ. You can be lost and not hear about Christ. You don't have, how are you going to reject, how you going to reject somebody you don't know? Amen. Are they lost? Yes, they're lost. They're lost because God in their conscience has revealed, has put his law in them. They've seen it in creation. They've, they've been dealt with in their conscience. Amen, amen. So my, my point, the only way to heaven is Jesus. We can't make any exceptions to that. The Bible said what? The Bible said I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. That's what he said. Amen. He said what? He said, neither is the salvation of any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now you say, preacher, that is so elementary. Why are great, great people debating it? Man, I've heard what we call the grace debating that. Well, God will let them by. God is not going to let anybody by. Amen. God's not going to let the heathens by. God's certainly not going to let America by. And I know we ought not be so worried about that. We got to deal. But I'm telling you, we, we're a missionary church. Why do we send the gospel? So they can be saved. If they can go to heaven by having a, uh, by being sincere to their I've heard that a hundred, I've heard that a hundred times. If they're sincere to their religion, they can go to heaven. No, no. If they're sincere to being Jewish, if they're sincere to being a Muslim, that don't get them to heaven. You got to go through Jesus. I ain't making a statement one more time. I don't know if this is I don't know if this is revival preaching or not. I hope it ends up that way. But here's my point: God gave us a conscience. Amen. And He said it can be defiled. He says it can get weak. And he said, it get to the point, you can get to the point, amen, that it gets seared. And if it does, we will shipwreck our faith. Amen, amen and amen. amen. Maybe I ought to call this shipwreck saints. Maybe that ought to be the title. If a lost man does not respond to creation, if a lost man does not respond to his conscience, he probably wouldn't respond to Christ. Now, this is what I believe. This I, I had to get this settled in my mind as a, as a pastor of a missionary church. And I'm not preaching a mission conference. But I had to get this settled in my heart. If a man doesn't respond to his conscience in a, in a, in a heathen land, and he doesn't respond to creation, he's probably not going to respond to Christ. But if a man will respond to the workings of God in his conscience, and the workings of God to him through Christ. God would move heaven and earth to get a missionary to him. That's what I believe. Nobody's going to stand in the presence of God and say, I didn't have a chance. Now, that does put us in a very, that puts us in a very, uh, a very, that puts us in a place in America. We've heard the gospel. Think about those. They could go to hell, never heard the gospel. Think about sitting in a Bible church and go to hell. And that's really my emphasis. God has given us so much life. And to whom much is given, much is going to be required. And yet America has rejected the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, America's going to be judged, friend. 
Think about how bad the I tell our people all the time. For you to go to hell sitting in Life Baptist Church and the gospel is preached, and I say that for uh, Ridgeview Baptist Church, to go to hell from a church like this, do you imagine how hard hell's going to be? That you heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it and rejected it? Oh, I can't even, I can't even comprehend how bad that's going to be. Amen amen. So that's my point. Then number three, what's the difference between the Holy Spirit and God? What's the difference between the Holy Spirit and God? I like this. Conscience does not give you the power to overcome, but the Holy Spirit does. I'm glad, thank God, when I got saved, God put the Holy Ghost in me. Amen. And he put a power within us to give us the power to overcome sin. Conscience don't do that. Conscience can tell you wrong, but he don't give you the power to overcome wrong. The Holy Spirit will tell you that you do wrong and give you the power to overcome it. Glory to God. Somebody help me. Amen. I read where Jonathan Edwards so wanted to live for God, he made 70 resolutions about living for God. I'm preaching on them 70 resolutions tonight. Here's what he said. He said, I resolve seven things, my overall life's mission. There's seven things. I'm not going to get into all the, all, we wouldn't have time. It's seven of them. But this is the headline. Overall life mission, I have 70 things I resolve to do. Good works, I have three things I resolve to do. Time management, I have 13 things I resolve to do. Relationships, I have 12 things I resolve to do. Suffering, I have four things I resolve to do. My character, I have 10 things I resolve to do. My spiritual life, I have 21 things I resolve to do. Now, I read over there where Daniel said this. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Now, please don't fall out with me on this. I think Daniel was saying, not to God, but to himself, I purpose in my heart, I will not defile myself. I think Jonathan Evans was saying this, I want to so live for God, I'm making seven resolutions, and they said he went over them weekly, monthly, and yearly. That he said, I want to so live for God, I want to resolve to do these things. Everything that we do is not recorded in the Word of God. God tells us things to do sometimes that you won't find in the Word of God. Yes. Are you listening? But I want to live for God. I had this at the end of the message. I'll just say it now. I, I remember I was preaching a revival and closed out the revival. was getting in the car on Saturday morning. And I had all my clothes. I had my clothes in the car. Amen. And I was hanging on the little rack in the car. And when I hung that, I hung one of them up, I looked and it was a it was a clothes hanger out of the motel. Somebody help me. Now, I had all my clothes in there. That's enough to give you the heart attack anyway, packing and leaving. And I had them all stacked. And I said, man, that's a, that's a clothes hanger out of the motel. And I said, well, they don't care. They got thousands of them. And they didn't see me when I left. And, the, and the, the, I think my conscience said this. I ain't got a verse on this. My conscience said no, you take that, you take that hanger back inside. Is anybody listening? Now you can call that the Holy Ghost, or you can call that what you want. I think I want to be sensitive. Whichever one God was dealing with me about, I did not want to do wrong. And that don't mean I'm perfect, I'm far from perfect. But I do know what? I was dealt with about what? That is not your clothes hanger. Are you listening to me? 
When I, when I stay in a motel, I hope this don't come off as being braggadocious. That's not my point. When I check out that motel tomorrow, I'm going to take all the sheets off the bed. I'm going to take the pillowcases, pillowcases off. I'm going to get all the towels, all the washcloths. I'm going to put them all in the, in the tub, amen. And, and, so they don't have, and then I'm going to leave a tip on the bed. And sometimes we leave a piece of candy and a piece of tra a, a track. I want them to know that a Christian has been in this room. Is anybody listening? Is this making sense? I just think, hey, I just think God wants us. I want to resolve. I, I want to do like John. I'm not where John. I want to resolve to live for God and let people know I'm living for God. Not for a show, but for a testimony for the glory of God. Is anybody listening? He resolved. He, he resolved 70 things that he was going to do. He knew he, knew he was his own worst enemy. Amen. I'm telling the man you look at in the mirror every morning, that's not, he's not your neighbor. You, 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 you're the biggest problem you got. Amen and amen. I, I, I keep referring to this. I, I guess it's because we're in the ministry of that. But I, when the men come to the home, you know they want to get their family back. We got a man right now. His wife was there last week. They want to get their family. I said, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, get yourself right. Don't worry about your wife right now. Get yourself right. You're the problem. And then when you get right, that'll work to help her get right. Somebody help me. Everybody wants to get everybody else right. Get yourself right. Amen. 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 My point is, hey, he knew he was his own worst enemy. Amen. Could I give you something to relate to about conscience? I, I, use, the, I use the subject of pain. Pain. Pain warns you there's a problem. You know, we don't like pain, but really pain's a good thing. Pain tells you you got a problem. In the physical, in your physical body. When you have pain, it's still, your body's telling you something's wrong. So really, that's a good thing. You don't think so at the time. So could anybody help me? For instance, when I worked at Charleston Chop Naval Shipyard before God called me out to the ministry, every, every so often we had to go get our eyes dilated. And really what that did is that numbs your eyes. So they, and my wife get, always gets on me when I say this word because I don't say it right. But they give you a pair of goggles to put on. And those gargles would protect your eyes because if you've got a piece of sand in it, you wouldn't know it. So they give you gargles to put on. I see some of y'all laughing. Mama, if you get on me on the way home, I'm telling you, I ain't going to buy you no hamburger now. <laughs> the things you put on to protect your eyes, gargles, amen. This gargles is what it is. But they, they give you that to protect you, amen. Because if you got sand or something in your eye, uh, you wouldn't know it, and you could ruin your eyes. So what? What are you trying to say? Hey, if you got something in it, didn't have them goggles on, hey, you would feel it. Pain is a good thing. Let me give you a better illustration. Y'all, y'all know I've had some heart trouble. So I went to the doctor back a couple of years ago, and the doctor asked me how I was doing. I said, Doc, really, I'm doing good. I said, I'm having some chest pain, but I'm up going. I, I got energy. I mean, my blood pressure, everything's right. I just have pain in my chest. And he said, well, I'm going to increase your uh, pain medicine. I said, do what now? He said, I'm going to increase your pain medicine. Uh, and he, he's the doctor. I said, Doc, that's good, but I don't really understand that because... Uh, that pain is telling me there's a problem, and you're going to give me something to do away to take the pain away. I said, you the doctor, and I'm just a patient, but I'd like to know what's causing the pain, not kill the pain. 
Is anybody listening? And he got mad. Yeah, I mean, it made him mad. He said, like I told you, Mr. Willis, I will, this is what he said, like I told you, I will give you a stronger pain medicine. I said, well, you the doctor, I'll take it, but that's not solving the problem. Boy, he got mad. He got mad. So I went out, to, I went to check out and pay my bill, and I got to receptions, I paid my bill, and I said, now when has he got me scheduled, because he's always scheduled me to come back. I said, when has he got me scheduled to come back? She said, Mr. Willis, he has not scheduled you to come back. He got so mad at me that he's not my doctor no more. Are y'all listening to me? That pain in my chest was telling me was something wrong. I didn't need nobody to take away the pain, understand, without telling me what was wrong. I hope I ain't boring nobody. I'm just telling I'm using that physical pain to tell you we have a conscience to work on our spiritual. And our conscience tells us there's a problem. Now, I know we have the Holy Spirit, but the Bible said 32 times in the Bible, we also have a conscience. Amen and amen. So I found this out. Leprosy kills the nerves. It takes away the feeling. Therefore, you afflict yourself and don't even know you're doing it. That's what leprosy does. Leprosy is a disease, but the bottom line of that disease is it kills the nerves and you can't feel. That's why they can put their hand on the fire and not even feel it. So they'll burn their hand up because the nerves are not there. Conscience is our, conscience is our warning system so we won't destroy our spiritual self. I know we have the Holy Spirit. I understand that. But I'm also saying conscience plays a part in that. Amen and amen. He said what? In chapter 2, verse 14, he said the latter part. Conscience will do what? Conscience will excuse you or accuse you. It will indict you or it will defend you. Do anything to make your conscience weak is engaged in, in a soul-destroying uh, act. When your conscience is telling you, don't do that, and you violate that, then you'll defy your conscience. Amen. You'll say your conscience. I believe that, amen. And then by end up being shipwrecked. You know what happens when you're shipwrecked, right? You're stranded. You get shipwrecked, you'll sink. Amen. Is anybody listening? The world has deadened, this society has deadened the conscience of America. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. We are living in a day that the conscience of man has been totally denied. Are you listening? Rendered ineffective, let me put it that. What pain is to the physical man, conscience is to the spiritual man. May I say, may I say uh, the, the society has done a good, well, done a bad, well, they've done a bad job good. You tell me how, you tell me how a man stands in an operating room and destroys a little baby. And it's the law of the land. It, hey, it's the law of the land. And murders a baby that has no chance. That's worse than killing an old person in a nursing home. And by the way, if they do that, they're going to kill them in the nursing home. You know what's happened? Our conscience has been defiled. As America, our conscience, and that starts in our churches. That's why we have to preach like we preach. Why? Because our conscience will get defiled. How many days go by? We never think about it. The little baby. 60 million babies have been murdered in the womb. And now you can take it out of the womb and kill it. 
Y'all, is anybody listening? Our conscience has been defiled. Are you listening? Amen, amen. That's why we have transgender. Would you ever dream? Would you have ever dream? Would you have ever? And I ain't got it. I don't even want to deal with it. But would you have ever dream, even what, in the last 10 years? That now we'd have, what, you don't know if he's a man or a woman? I, 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 don't, I don't want to be in a, I ain't preaching nothing. You're preaching, you ain't preached a hundred times. But I'm telling you, church, we just, we just seen, we just on the, on, on the ice step of what's going to happen. That is not to scare you young people, but it is to one in the morning. We, we are fixing to see things. Anybody listening? I'm telling you, I am telling you, it's going to get bad. And we have an administration that's pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing sacred anymore. They, they took that shooting over there in y'all state, Nashville, and they made it look like the Christians were wrong. Us Christians is the one caused that, whatever he was, she was. Us Christians is the one that caused him to do that. That's reporting of the secular world. The secular world says, now, they're blaming that on you Christians. Y'all the one caused him to be like that. I'm telling you, we're you know why? We have no conscience no more. I want to keep my conscience. I want, I, want, I want to keep my conscience pure. He talks about having a pure conscience. Amen and amen. Are you listening? Conscience is not the light, but it's the window through which the light shines. If the window is dirty, the light is not as bright. It's defiled. What 50 years ago was wrong in the world is now accepted in the church. Is anybody listening? I'm talking about lost people had more convictions about wrong than the average church member today. Why does your preacher preach like he does? Because if we don't preach like that, we will go down the same road. The pulpit have grown quiet, amen. We've got to lift up our voice like a trumpet and warn our people, amen. Man, I'm telling you, 50 years ago, what the world didn't say was wrong, now that's in the church. I'm preaching in a church upstate South Carolina. It's the truth. And they had on, out in the vestibule, they had this, this article out of the paper, and back in, I don't know, 1940, this man was a member of the church, went fishing. And they voted him out of the church. He went fishing on Sunday. They, I mean, that was in the best of him. He went fishing on Sunday, and they voted him out of the church the next Sunday. And he wasn't fishing for men. Somebody hit me. I'm just trying to say, preacher, y'all old folk, you're 78, you're an old fogey. You may as well go ahead and go to heaven. Ain't nobody going to listen. I'm telling you, that's probably where we are. Our conscience has been defiled. And the Bible said when it does, you go shipwreck. You drown. Somebody, somebody told me Keith Ball's preaching. I ain't even heard it. He didn't give me one. He said, what's the problem of being casual? He said he just preached. You probably know that, Brother Ruck. He said he just preached the message. What's wrong with being casual? So I'm stealing his thunder on this, all right? And I ain't even heard the message. Here's what he said. The next thing after being casual is casualty. You become casual, you become a casualty. I don't want to let up. I don't want to back up. I don't want to shut up. I want to proclaim what thus saith the Lord. 
Preacher, how big a crowd? It's not my job to fill the pew. It's my job to fill the pulpit. God has to fill the pew. Amen. Our conscience has been defiled. And I know the Holy Spirit. I understand as a Christian, Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, the world don't have no Holy Spirit. Are you listening? Amen and amen. I'm just sitting there saying amen. Our conscience. That's all kind of strange things going on. I'm telling you, I'm amazed what's happening in the Pentecostal movement. I heard, a fellow, I heard a fellow not long ago say, as the pastor, all the tithe comes to me. He said, this is what he said. He said, all the tithe in the church comes to me. Well, I wouldn't have the conscience. If, if I even believed that, I wouldn't get up and say it. And the meeting, probably four, five, six hundred preachers there. Four, five, six hundred people. Most of them preachers. Here's what he said. He said, according to the Bible, he said, the tithe comes to the preacher. And what's above the tithe pays the church. Debt, light bill, that. But the preacher gets the tithe. Well, man, that's taking us back under the Levitical priesthood. Y'all listen? And I called his name. I called his, and it was his own meeting. He said, I got something. I'm talking about five, six hundred people. He said, God's put something on my heart. I have to preach to this crowd. And he got up and preached that the tithe, I'm telling you what I know now, because he's in our state. He said, the tithe comes to me, the preacher. I ain't never heard of such a thing. Here's what I'm saying. He better check his conscience. You can take the Bible, and you might be a Bible theologian, and you can twist the Bible all around, but you ain't going to twist it around enough to make me believe this, that I wouldn't, have an, I wouldn't have enough gumption to get up, and get up in front of my church and say, now, church, all the tithe comes to me. My Lord, have mercy. They'd cut off my salary. Somebody help me. I wouldn't be getting what I'm getting. Oh, Lord, help me. Preacher, this ain't revival. Preacher, I'm telling you, our conscience, it's got me. It's happening in the church. It's happening in front of the middle. I, I heard a preacher get up and say this. I was there when it happened. I was there when it happened. I guess I ought to know. He said, I want to show you how to lead somebody to Christ. I'm talking about our conscience now. So they set the stage up, the platform up like a living room. You knock on the door, they bring you in. He walk, He knocks on the door, you go in. He, he presents you the plan of salvation, amen, shows you how. And so he did that, got him to pray, call on the Lord. And then he said, anybody got any questions on that? And there's about 600 preachers. I'm not exaggerating. I, let's just say it was 400. He said, anybody got any questions? The priest said, he said uh, sir, when you made that presentation, I noticed that you did not mention, you did not mention repentance is in the plan of salvation. He said, sir, repentance is not in the plan of salvation. Sit down. Next question. I was there. I heard it with my, my wife heard it. When I got saved, I don't know if I believe, but I know I repented. I believe in repentance. Faith toward God and uh, it's faith toward God and repentance. It's repentance toward God and faith. You probably won't get faith if you don't repent. Somebody help me, amen. We are preaching that kind. Somebody's conscience is messed up. What are you trying to say, preacher? Shipwreck faith. Amen and amen. I, I, I heard a preacher. It sounds like I'm on preacher's case. You know what? You know what? With what's happening in the ministry, 
I do find myself talking about preaching, preaching about preachers. And that don't mean I don't have my own problem. But I am telling you, man, if the preacher's messed up, what's the church going to be? When you start preaching that kind of stuff, my husband, I heard a preacher preaching on the marriage relationship, and he compared, he compared the marriage relationship to our relationship with Christ and preached for I'm telling you, for the first time probably in 40 years, when he got through comparing our relationship with Christ as if the man and the wife, I believe he blasphemed the Holy Ghost. I cut it off. He compared a man and his wife to God, to God and the believer. And it got, I'll just leave it there. I believe he blasphemed the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you where he is. He's in prison. They call him messing with a young teenage girl. When you get up and preach stuff like that, y'all gonna tell you something bad, something in the milk can't clean. It's our conscience. Amen. Well, my point is sent to this, amen. I'm telling you, repentance is in the plan of salvation. Here's what he said, the goodness of God will lead you to repentance. Amen and amen, amen. Conscience is a part of fallen man, so it has to be educated. Your conscience can't be your guide unless you're educated. Amen and amen, amen. I'm just simply saying to us, hey, it has to be educated with truth, it has to be educated with morality, and it has to be educated with goodness. Conscience is a soul warning system. In, my, in the car that I have, you can mash a button. This is me on me. I can't even believe it. It ain't nothing but a little Honda. But you can mash a button. When you're driving down the road and you cross over the white line, it'll go beep, beep, and the wheel will shake. I got a car like that. It's a Honda. So you punch this button, you're riding down the road. If you drift over the white line, the wheel is shaking. You go beep, beep. That's pretty good, isn't it, brother? I'm here for a boy from St. Stephen. And here's what I thought about that. That's what the conscience does. When you cross over the line, it's dangerous. You meet in another car, somebody help me. So what, what that Honda does, it goes beep, beep, and the wheel shakes. You know, what the, you know what your conscience will do to you when you cross over the line? It'll warn you. But here's what I found out, preacher. Here's what I found out. If I don't correct it, if I don't correct it and I stay over there, it quits beeping and it quits shaking. In other words, the beep, beep, the conscience got seared. And I'm going to tell you, your conscience will deal with you. My conscience will deal with you and deal with you. And if you don't heed it, it'll quit bothering you. And I'm telling you what's happening in our churches. I'm telling you what I'm telling. I'm talking about in our churches. We've let we not had listened to our conscience or the Holy Ghost, and hey, so it don't bother us no more. So that's why churches are doing what they're doing because they have seared the conscience. Amen. And I'm not trying to correct everybody. I am nobody to do that. But I do find in this Bible that you can get your conscience seared and shipwreck your faith. Amen and amen, amen, amen. Here, give you this and I'm through. Thank God conscience is a gift. I'm glad I got a gift called the conscience. I have the Holy Spirit. I understand that. that, that that's too technical for me. But I do know that the Bible said 32 times in the Bible, your conscience is to be dealt with. It can be a pure conscience, amen, or it can be a seared conscience. It's a gift from God. It plays a critical part in your salvation. Amen and amen. 
I just grew up. My daddy was the town drunk. I'm not proud of that. My daddy was, literally, my daddy was the town drunk. My mama was a slave woman. My mama stayed with my daddy till my daddy got, my daddy had a fourth grade education. And my daddy, when he was about 42 years old, got gloriously saved. Become a deacon in a Baptist church. And so even though my daddy, I remember one time the preacher come to our house to visit my daddy, and my daddy was in the bedroom drunk, and he had on a strap T-shirt. And I said, uh, we told daddy, we said, daddy, uh, the preacher's out here. He said, get my shirt. Listen to me now. He said, get my shirt. The preacher's out there, get my shirt. A drunk, in a, in a drunken stupor, when the preacher arrived, said, get my shirt. Are you listening? Man, they wear them to church now. I'm telling church, I preach in churches, they wear Bermudas in the choir. Are you listening? I had a message one night to preach. I'm through. I, I had a message one night to preach, and the preacher come up to me and said, Brother Willis said, we got a visiting choir coming over tonight. I said, man, glory to God, I, I love to hear choir sing. And I didn't have my message. I didn't have my message. And he said, well, they're coming over to sing from another church. I said, glory to God. And then they walked in, and I looked at my message, and I looked at them. And I said, uh, this is not good. And I mean, I had them spelled out. I don't do that no more. I don't, I, I don't have all them subjects spelled I had them spelled out. And it was like the Holy Ghost, brother, brother. It was like the Holy Ghost said, now the last time you preached that, you got all them points. For, what you going to do tonight, big boy? But I didn't say big boy. What you going to do tonight, son? And he, I said, Lord, I'm going to preach it like I preached it last time. And preach I read back there, God, I closed my eyes. I said, get your clothes on, put your clothes I mean, they look like a burlesque show. Man, when I got through preaching, I was at the back door. They was going to the back door, side door. Nobody was coming out my door. And then the preacher the next night, him and his wife come pick me up, and they were our age, and this has probably been 15 years ago. They were our age, and they come pick us up the next night, and his wife was dressed like that. So here's what he said. Preach what you want, but we ain't changing. You couldn't thank God enough for the church you're in. I know you thank God for your church. You couldn't thank God enough for the church you're in. Are you listening? Our conscience has come to mind. This is the this is the this is the only hope we got. The church is the only hope we got. And if the church caves in, what are we gonna do? Amen. I know this is not exciting. I'm just trying to preach the word of God. Amen. Amen. I read where Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I don't know. If you probably heard of him, but I got a hold of a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, what has happened, this is what, he, what, this is what man was writing about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he said, what is happening to America is what happened to Germany. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the church has got to speak up. We're killing Jews by the six million, and nobody's saying nothing. They said they would go by the church. This is what the book said. They would ride by the church, or the railroad track would go by the church, the, the railroad track would go by the church, and they was on their way to the gas chamber. And they would be hollering and screaming in terror, and they, they'd tell the church, sing louder, sing louder, sing. So they couldn't hear the cries of the people on the way to the gas chamber. He said, what you see happening in America is what happened in Germany. The church went silent. You know what they did with Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he was 42 years old? On April 9th, it happened to be my birthday. They hung him. Because he said, I will not be silent. 
the conscience, the conscience of America has been seared. That's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Are you listening? Artificial intelligence. I don't know. I don't. I don't listen to all that stuff too much. I I did hear that today. What's his name? Elon Musk. Elon Musk said what? He said, "Artificial intelligence is going to destroy the world." Now that's a man don't know God. He wouldn't know God if he met him in the church parking lot. That's where we are. Our conscience has been defiled. Amen and amen. If it's, it senses a moral violation when it's, when it's rightly informed, I'm glad I got a conscience today. I think it's ruled by the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, America, America. Brother Lance Neal, a missionary out of our church, served in Papua New Guinea. God used him in Papua New Guinea in a great way. In Papua New Guinea, this is the truth. We got films at the church. They eat bark off trees. They literally, the people in his church that he wanted to God, they eat the bark off trees. But you know what? They said abortion was wrong. He said in Papua New Guinea where heathens eat the bark off the trees, here's what they said. Abortion is illegal. We eat steak. Somebody help me. And we let people kill our babies. Why? Our conscience has been Better, you better be, you don't let your conscience get seared. You better be sensitive to your conscience. Let's stand, let's pray. Father, I know this has been a little bit unusual tonight, but I do feel like that's what you put in my heart. Lord, I, oh God, I want to finish right. I know I got so many faults myself, but I do want to finish right. And I know this church does. Thank God there's people gathered up all across the country in little nooks and corners and even in big cities God, that Lord's standing for God. He, please help us to stand for God in these dark, dark days. Lord, it's a burden on my heart about what's going on. I don't have, uh, uh, I, all I can offer is the truth. And Lord, wherever I go, help me to try to proclaim the truth so that people might be delivered. People might be saved. People might want to get right. God, the power's in the Word of God. I have no authority. I have no power. But God, you have all power. And I pray you speak to our hearts. Challenge us, Lord, to be sensitive to your workings in our life. And we're going to thank you now in advance for what you're going to do. Thank you for letting us be here this week. And Lord, bless the invitation. I don't know who's been spoken to, but I pray people be sensitive tonight to what you've worked in their hearts. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. Musicians are coming. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe I've never, I haven't said this this week. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not settled, not sure about being saved. And you say, preacher, I sure need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. Nobody's going to come to you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. I wonder if you'd let us pray for you tonight. Preacher, I'm not saved. I'm going to lift my hand let you know.